0: Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. I'm your host, Barney Smith of Storycomic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally celebrated teaching artist and art activist, Alyssa de la Briere. So so Alyssa, you are what, what is considered a teaching artist here in in, in in Vermont you want to tell tell a bit of our our listeners what a teaching artist is as compared to say um, a working artist or a professional artist
1: well you know I I guess my best way to explain it is you know I kind of feel like making my own art and being a professional artist and I am that mm. um at the same time I have an equal passion for sharing what I do and how I do it and kind of lighting a fire underneath other people. And whether that's young people or adults, whether it's beginners or mentorship programs with, you know, working professional artists, I really love that process. And there's been lots of times in my career where I've said, Okay, you know, Alyssa, it's time to, you know, set down the teaching and Mm -hmm. focus full bore on your work. And every time I do that there's that missing piece. So
0: um,
1: I do have my art education degree, I did go back after, um, you know, studying visual art and got my teaching certification. Um, But I've worked, you know, I've taught privately for a long time. And it's just it's a part of me. And I think there's some a big difference between being an art teacher, and being a teaching artist. And the teaching artist Mm -hmm. is really someone who's coming, coming alongside, and mentoring and and making art with you and sharing their skills and their enthusiasm and their excitement along the way.
0: Right. And, and, and one of the big draws that, that people talk about is your mixed media art. Uh, you talk to us a little bit about that.
1: Um, you know, I, I, as an artist, the one thing I'm not is a one trick pony. You know, a lot of artists (laughs) find that one lane that they're in and it sells and, man, if there was one lane that was selling and I was still doing it, I'd still be painting cows and cows are the thing that sold, you know? Um, And I think it kind of goes with being a teaching artist is that I'm always trying new things. I'm always pushing the limits. I'm always learning new things to teach my students, but I'm never standing still with my work. And so my mixed media work really came with a newfound love of paper and using Hmm. paper as an element in painting, not as traditional collage, but really as one more piece that I add into an oil painting, I add into um, an acrylic or a watercolor. So it becomes this sort of sculptural relief kind of a painting. And I kind of refer to it not as collage, but as like painting with paper, where the paper becomes part of the brushstroke process Um, and it's built in lots of layers and, um, you know, they run the full gamut of being quite representational and quite amazingly, you see it from the back of the room and think it's a painting and then you get closer and you realize, oh, there's something else there. There's something different about that, um, to being quite abstract. And I love working on that spectrum, you know, going between representational and abstract.
0: When you see something that that there's a moment that you want to capture or a feeling that you want to actually put down on a, a, do you already have the, you already have the medium in mind that you want to do it as, or do you, do you let the inspiration also take hold of the the medium, but also, also the message that you're, that you want to, you want to portray?
1: Um, it does kind of speak to me a little bit and you know my artistic process i'm i'm primarily a landscape artist in my own work Mm -hmm. um i'm really passionate about the natural landscape and preservation of the natural landscape and so um i only create art about places that i have personally experienced that i've been there and um you know hiked those hills and been there with all of my senses and with my camera and with my sketchbook and with my easel and the sweat and the bugs and the sights and sounds of it. Um, and in that process of really getting to know the sense of place, that place really speaks to me of how it wants to be portrayed. And some oh, okay. places really need the delicateness of watercolor and other places want mixed media with every thrown everything thrown at it including the kitchen sink and what else can mm-hmm. I embed and encrust in this surface kind of idea.
0: And and so at, at what point too as a painter that the intimacy of creating art art becomes, you kind of feel like as an artist that permission to actually show it to the rest of the world?
1: I think you always have permission. I hope every person who's ever made anything, they're making it because at the end of the day, art's meant to be viewed and shared and experienced. And I hope, and I try to, you know, kind of share this with my students from an early age that, you know, the minute you're putting brush to paper or whatever you're doing, you're creating something, you're, you're putting something of yourself out there and that's a vulnerability and that's a voice. And that voice isn't meant to be hidden inside your sketchbook. Right. It's meant to be put out there and shared with an audience, a small audience, a big audience, the whole world, whatever it is. And, and one, and once it's out
0: there as the artist, you also lose permission to decide how people should feel about the art as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's part of part of the conversation. You know, I I'm an artist and I'm a maker, but I'm right. also an avid art appreciator. And I love art of all genres. I am an art historian. So I love art from all different time periods and cultures. And in a lot of those rooms, I am that viewer. You know, I'm the I'm the appreciator and I'm the one interpreting what the artist has put out there. And mm. I think there's a beauty to this idea that the artist only gives you so much information and they leave the rest for interpretation and that everyone has a different experience with that work of art based on, you know, their life and what, you know, what they've done and what they've seen and what they've read and what they know and what they don't know yet. And I think that's, that's the best part that you can't control it once it's out there.
0: How important then, uh, how important do you feel that art is as a, when it comes to advocacy work, how important is art?
1: You know, I think that art at the end of the day, when there are big issues on the table and there are causes and there are things that people believe in, you know, writers and poets and artists um, and performers are those voices that really rise above the din um and can make a big difference and you know it's we have these kind of unique talents and gifts that really can be a powerful voice when you lend them to putting them behind a cause or using them to support a cause and you know i kind of see it in sort of a three like a triad and you know in in projects i've done in the past and a project i'm doing now you know if i if my art can first bring awareness to something and if it brings awareness to an issue or a cause or a place or you know something that needs help or protection or a voice maybe that awareness will bring appreciation and when people start to appreciate something or cherish something and they think it's worth worth keeping and worth saving then that brings action. So you kind of bring awareness to bring appreciation, to bring action to any kind of a cause.
0: What helps you get motivated to create your art as well?
1: I think everybody has a, a different thing. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about a lot of things. um, As a landscape artist, I've found that my work is the most useful and my artistic voice is the most powerful um, around causes that have to do with the environment and have to Mm -hmm. do with the natural landscape and have to do with protecting public lands and, um, you know, keeping the wild wild um, and not losing you know natural places and natural habitats and stuff in the name of progress and in the name of development in the name of those things um so it's still here for generations to come um Mm. that being said i'm also an educator and um i'm really really a staunch believer in art education and continuing to have access to the arts for young people and coming up through and not losing that. So I've used my art in that capacity as well. But um, big projects that I tend to get really passionate about and don't shut up about tend to be about the environment.
0: (laughs) What would you say is your uh, some of your influences as an artist?
1: Oh, my gosh. I, you know, was raised by a mom who was not a visual artist herself, but she was an amazing art advocate and advocate mm. for artists in Flint, Michigan. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. And um from a very young age, I was dragged to all of her meetings and her, you know, her um, board work and everything that was supporting the arts. Um and so I got exposed to museums and galleries and gritty working artists in downtown Flint, Michigan in equal doses.. Um, so I have lots of lots of influences. You know, I, I love New England regionalists like Fairfield Porter and Winslow Homer and Andrew Wyeth and people who were, you know, the way they captured, you know, the environment in that way. I love, you know, French Impressionism. I love Paul Cezanne and the way he could deconstruct a landscape and put it back together in a new way that only he saw it. Um, but I also love artists no, one, no one's heard of. You know i love right. finding you know artists on the street in london and artists on the street in, you know marseille and having deep conversations with them and they've they've made there's threads of those people in my work too and things i've picked up from them along the way what's your
0: favorite time of day to to create then
1: i'm a morning person and i think okay. i'm a morning person One, because of being a teacher, but also because I raised three kids and a set of (laughs) twins in there too. And I think I became a morning person. Um, But early morning, I love early morning light. I love the Mm. quiet, but kind of before the day starts for people and for kind of the landscape.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I think I'm most productive between like five and 10 in the morning. Um, But I do, I'm kind of both ends. And I think it's because I'm always chasing the light. And, you know, as an Mm. artist, we're always looking for that magical moment, aren't we, as a landscape Mm. artist? And so it's sort of that beginning of day, end of day um, are my two kind of facets of work time. And then I put the admin of life into the middle. What's your
0: response when somebody says, Oh, I don't know how to draw. I it's uh, I, I I never I was never never a good artist. When you see like an adult say something like that,
1: oh my gosh, and I hear it all the time, all the time. And you know, the first thing I say is every single person is an artist, and hmm. your art form comes in so many different ways. You know, you might not realize you're an artist because of the way you cook, because of the way you communicate with people. You know. There's are so many different ways of having an art form. Um, but some people, it just comes a little easier than others, you know? And for me, I always explain it to everyone is you know, you don't say you're not a musician because the first time you hit the keys of a piano, you can't play a sonata, you know? Everything takes practice and it takes practice every single day and it takes letting yourself be taught and letting yourself make make mistakes and always being on that process equals progress spectrum. Mm. That it's not something you conquer. Art's much more like golf than any other sport. It's like always, you know, just beyond the horizon is where you are in the in the game of art. But, you know, I usually throw it back to them and I say, have a little more faith in me as your teacher because I promise you there's art in you. It's just how much you have to practice and how hard do we have to dig um, and how many times we have to make mistakes before it starts kind of coming to the surface.
0: The one thing about that we kind of learned from COVID back in 2020 is art is extremely important because that's all we had when we were in lockdown. We couldn't, we had to listen to music or watch TV or Go on virtual art tours. So there was a lot that was happening, realizing how, how important the arts is. Where do you see the future happening for um, the fine artist now?
1: You know, I think that there's been great things that have come out of COVID. I think there's been right. an explosion of people owning themselves and identifying as artists. I think a lot of artists have found new and innovative ways to market themselves, to get themselves out there, to promote themselves, and to teach using kind of Zoom and using the online space as kind of a new place. Um, I think all the traditional routes are still valid and are still important. You know, the the world of galleries and the world of you know in I don't think anything ever replaces in person teaching, and that. Personal bond and communication. Um, but I do think that there's going to be challenges. You know, there's going to be challenges with the world of AI and how that's all going to play out. Um, there's challenges of, you know, art becoming something that, oh, I watched a YouTube video once. And so now I can do this um, kind of cookie cutter formula, for, formulaic art forms. Um, but I, you know i think that that's just the growing pains of we're moving into a new phase in a new way that right. artists show themselves in a new way that arts you know arts made and right. shared and developed
0: talking to a hypothetical student who says you know who says uh alissa i want to be a working artist i want to make art i want to be an artist full time um uh, do i need to make art that i think that people want to buy or should i be making art that
1: i want to make
0: that speaks to me.
1: I'm always gonna tell people to make the art that speaks to them.
0: Yeah.
1: Make the art you wanna make, and that art better keep changing and keep growing and keep evolving and keep turning into something else. Because yeah. the best art that you're gonna make you haven't made yet. Right. And no matter how great that painting is and no matter how exciting that commission is that you just scored, your best art you haven't made yet. And if you settle for, oh, wow, you know, I'm going to make a lot of money painting cows. Yeah. And we love cows in Vermont, and I do paint cows on occasion. <laughs> um, you know, you're missing out on all those ways your art has evolved. You know, And during COVID, I'm a landscape artist who paints mostly plein air, or at least does the, the legwork plein air. And I couldn't do that. I was living in London. Mm. I couldn't, I was in an apartment. I couldn't get out of London. Um, and it pushed me to completely flip my artistic process upside down and wow. change my way of working for two years. Great. And out of that came this newfound love of monotype printmaking. I did, you know, big series about memory of place and creating abstract work and finding facets of it that reminded me of landscapes I've traveled to and I've that are embedded in my memories. And right. it was some of the most fulfilling and exciting work I've ever made. And that wouldn't have happened right. if I hadn't pushed myself in a totally different direction. So
0: and, and what do you see some of the, the unique qualities that, that the visual arts can can produce that other forms of art uh, have challenges doing?
1: You know, I think at the end of the day visual art is always going to have a wider range of interpretation and a wider Mm -hmm. range of conversation between the artist and the viewer Mm -hmm. um you know and especially as an artist who does kind of work on that spectrum between some of my work is quite representational and some of it's very very abstract and Mm -hmm. in those pieces i'm creating completely different conversations with the audience and with the viewer who's looking at Mm -hmm. them. And that has to do with what the viewer's bringing to the table so much. Um, and I think that visual art, you know, has the, the ability to kind of speak in so many different ways to so many different people, all from the same piece. Right. And, and how important
0: is, is the, is community for an artist to be a part of an, uh, an, an art community?
1: Um, it's invaluable. And it's one of the reasons why after, you know, you know, I, I call myself, I'm a traveling artist and, you know, I'm from Newport, Vermont. Newport, Vermont's where my home is, my house is, um, but I'm also from all over the globe and I, I travel right. constantly and I get itchy feet if I don't, you know. Every three or four months, I got to be going somewhere and seeing something new and or going back to a favorite haunt. Um, but I'm back again and and I think Vermont is that draw for me because, you know, having a community, a, an artistic community, but also just your people is really mm-hmm. really important as an artist. You really you need you can't work for a long time in isolation you got to bounce ideas you got to have dialogue um you have to be part of something bigger than yourself um and vermont is always that for me so i I always keep coming back
0: (laughs) (laughs) so talk to us a little bit about this uh talk to us a little bit about postcards from the parks
1: postcards from the parks was one of those crazy brainchild projects um, that came out of kind of two thousand and sixteen in America, and lots of people being frustrated with the direction our country was going and and right. you know, feeling like we we're at our voices weren't being heard, but we were also trying to put fires out left and right as 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 a as a whole, as a community rising up. Um, and I sort of took it upon myself of saying, okay i I can't be involved in all the things I care about right now. There's too many. And I've got to be a mom, and I've got to have a job and but if everybody digs in deep on one thing that they're really passionate about, that's how you can create change and awareness mm-hmm. about issues. um and so I kind of got this crazy idea of, you know, going on forty days in the wilderness in my art an artist road trip and kind of going back and following the footsteps of Ansel Adams and you know, artists who we're out there trying to protect lands to become public lands so that I can go to Yosemite today and it still looks in general the way it looked 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um and it was right in the time where we were worrying about public lands and, and national monuments getting, you know, de deconstructed and losing their protections and um so it started as a whim and kind of this crazy idea and I packed up my jeep and you know, a tent and the whole car was full of art supplies and, you know, sleeping bags and stuff. And I headed out across the country and I, I wanted to just paint and talk to people and share what I cared about and find out what they cared about. And we're both in the Badlands right now. And for some reason that kind of makes us like all Red Sox fans all at the same time, because we're all here, we're all team Badlands or we're team, you know, Grand Teton. And, you get to have conversations with people on both aisles of politics of all different religions of all different belief systems and share what you care about and it's amazing what happens when you set up an easel in the middle of a national park Mm. everybody talks to you you're the most (laughs) popular person in the planet they want to know what you're doing they want to tell you about their uncle joe who painted a painting that hangs in their living room i had people pick up a canvas and a brush and sit down. And I taught him how to paint right there, looking at lower falls at Yellowstone national park. It's the world's greatest soapbox. (laughs) And then I got, I was like, oh, wow, that was pretty cool. I wonder if I can raise some money for the national parks foundation. I wonder if I can raise some money for the national parks conservancy. And I wonder if I can raise a little money so I can go do this again. Right. So I can go share my story and share these places that people know about, but maybe haven't ever been there. And we used to send postcards when we'd go to cool places. And when I was a little kid, I couldn't wait for my grandparents to go somewhere cool and send me a postcard because that was the closest I was going to get to going to that place. And so I kind of got this idea of, well, maybe my paintings are postcards. And I can send them back to people and be like, look at this amazing place. Look at black Canyon of the Gunnison that hardly anyone goes to. It's amazing. You need to go. you don't need to Google earth it, you need to actually go and you need to not turn your back to it and take a selfie. You need to just go experience it with your own eyes. And maybe if you are engaged by my story and my journey and my work, you'll be like, oh, wow. These places are really cool and really important and maybe we shouldn't want to you know make them vulnerable to development Maybe we need to protect them so my grandkids can go see them and my great grandkids
0: right
1: so it you know one trip became two and two trips became three and <laughs> i'm not finished yet covid kind of got in the middle of things and i headed to england for a couple of years um but the threads are still there, and I still need to get up to the Pacific Northwest in Alaska, and it's coming in 2025. So, postcards from the parks will be back.
0: So that's that that that's a that's a series that has not
1: finished yet. It's not. It's it's a continuous work in progress, and I own all of the works. I've sold prints, um, but okay. the original collection of work. I've never put a price tag on them yet because I've had the greatest gift of being able to show that body of work all over the country and in Europe. I've gotten to speak at universities and high schools and public groups and share my story and share the work. And, um, you know, speaking of, you know, using your art as a voice, this, this body of work has had a voice and has impacted people and has raised a lot of money. Um,
0: is is there any other series, Alyssa, that you're that are on your your list of uh, inspirations that you're going to be working on?
1: Um, I'm in the middle of one right now. You know, coming home to northern Vermont, I realized, you know I travel all over the world to find these beautiful natural landscapes, and at the end of the day, I I have a house on the shore of one of the most beautiful spots in the whole planet, which is Lake Memphremagog, mm. up in right. the Northeast Kingdom, and you know, it's always been here. It's kind of that thing that you don't see anymore because you live in this beautiful place and you, you take it for granted. And so I came back thinking, you know, it's time to really give my, my, my sense of home and my sense of place. It's just due. And so I started a project June 1st and it's a hundred days of Lake Memphremagog, and it's been a oh, hundred cool. days of, sketching and drawing from my kayak and literally painting out on the kayak and photographing and finding new vantage points and and in this crazy summer capturing the weather and all the crazy weather that we've had and kind of sharing this place this you know special place that some of us are lucky enough to call home and using it as a voice of you know we this is an amazing natural resource and just a beautiful wonder of our state It's tucked up here in the Northeast and we need to protect it. And there are great organizations, um, like the Memphremagog Watershed Association and Dump and the Lake Memphremagog, um, Education and Science Center that are really trying to promote knowledge and education and information and conserving the lake and protecting it. Um, so I'm building this huge body of work and I'm going to have a show in late October. Um, and a percentage of all the proceeds is going to go to those organizations to keep protecting the place that I love to paint. And and so Alyssa, if
0: people want to learn more about your artwork and learn more about you, where's the best place they could go to?
1: Um, my website, which is Alyssa And on the website, there's, you know, certainly stories about, um, me being a traveling artist and art activist. I have a blog there as well. And the blog kind of keeps you current on the new stuff that's going on. Um, and then of course, social media platforms of Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. All right. Alyssa,
0: well, this has been great. You got to come back on when you have a, uh, when you, maybe when you finished your postcard
1: series or. I any would new love projects that. I could, uh, you know, we could, you know, stream remote from, you know, Denali or wherever I am at that point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it's been great. It's been an absolute honor, Barney. I really appreciate it.